heretic until you hear the whole story this morning. This is about Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 25. I want you to hear me out, and then you can decide about what I'm about to say about a Christ-centered, number one, Christ-centered obligations for wives, husbands, children, fathers, servants, or in some translations, slaves. Very interesting things that the Lord has shown me as I worked on this sermon for the last six weeks. We're still on slide number one. I'm going to repeat this for my sake and yours. Christ-centered obligation for wives, husbands, children, fathers, servants, and slaves. <clears throat> I have on my next slide something very interesting. But who is this Christ? You were talking about, Brother Bruce. Who is this Christ? We said Christ-centered. Well, who is he? John 14, 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We're talking about this person we call the Christos, the Christ. Revelation 1-6. In his hand he had seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in his strength. Hebrews 1-3. And he is the radiance of his glory, of God's glory. And the exact representation of his nature. And upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made, that is Jesus Christ. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the Christ. I'm talking about. Can I get a witness? Slide two. We're going to go down the scriptures first and then start to explain them the best that I know how. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Listen up, children and fathers. Number three, children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Number four slide, servants, slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, as those who merely or merrily please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Number six, 
Keep up the good work, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve, for he who does wrong will receive, excuse me, let me repeat that verse, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Now, number seven. Now back to Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Wives and husbands. I know I'm going to repeat myself. That's probably good for me, and I hope good for you. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be embittered against them. <clears throat> Number eight. <clears throat> when you became Christians, did you get that? You become a Christian. We are not born Christians, even if you're in a Christian family. Can I get a witness? When you became Christians, you had a new motive for submitting to your husbands, as thereby you illustrate the subordination of the church to the Lord. And if you want to, you can look up Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. When you became Christians, you had a new motive for submitting to your husbands. This is a critical passage of scripture, no matter the generation. Every generation witnesses an attack upon the union of the husband and the wife. The lust of men for sensual pleasure drives him to attack the faithfulness between husband and wife that is demanded by God. Christ and Christ alone must be the center of every family if it is to survive the attacks made against us. Can I get an amen to that? There are a lot of attacks against the husband and wife relationship. And it is not enough for two members of the family to be obedient to Christ or Lord. Every member of the family has to make Christ the center of life. think of Christ in Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. Christ in you. The hope of glory. One disobedient and unfaithful member drastically affects the union of family and brings trauma, pain, and often destruction to the family. I'm going to divert from the subject a little. Do you have an unsaved member in your family? How about brothers and sisters, relatives? Let me ask you. Are you praying for them? Are you casting all your care upon Jesus Christ? And let him handle it instead of you trying to bombard him with the scripture and move him further and further away from Jesus Christ. The first thing we need to do as husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, is to pray for those members of our family who we know do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Number nine, wives, 
subordinate yourself to your husbands in that which is well-pleasing to the Lord. Wives are to submit. Let me slow down here. I feel myself speeding up. Wives are to submit to the orders of their husband to the degree, to the degree that his demands are consistent with the echo. Uh, what's wrong with me? Let me get these straight. Wives are to submit to the orders of their husbands to the degree that his demands are consistent with the ethical ideals of the wife as she remembers that she is subject to the rule of the following. Whatever you do, and this goes for you and me too, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I want you to ask yourself this question, not only for husbands or wives, whatever we're doing, in word or in deed. Let me stop there. This is not in the notes. It's not going to be on the screen. How about your mouth and my mouth? What's coming out of it? Profanity, curse words, damning the Lord, using his name in vain. Can I get an amen? That is not becoming for us as Christians. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. How often do you and I give thanks to the Lord? I was thankful, as someone else said yesterday and the day before, for just waking up in the morning, being able to tie my shoes, dressing myself, getting out of bed. Can I get a witness? How about you? Giving thanks in all things. How often, brothers and sisters, do we thank the Lord? I could go on and on with that, but I won't. <clears throat> in modern society, that is strong. In fact, it is too strong for many. Many reject the idea of a woman's obedience as archaic, outdated, old-fashioned, some even react in anger and hostility against the word of God and those who preach the duty of wives. Are they right? Has scripture gone too far in declaring that wives should be subject to their husbands? Has God made a mistake within the order of the family? To the Christian, the answer is no. The problem is not in what God has said, but in our understanding of what he has said or in our rebellion against what he wills. Any wife who rejects or reacts to God's command to react in either because she does not understand what God is saying or is just unwilling to give her life to God and follow him as he says. What does God mean by subjection? Wives, you're going to love this that a wife is subject, thank you, that a wife is to subject herself to a tyrant. You just do what I say because I said it. Wife's reaction to that is, are you kidding me? 
that a wife is to subject herself to the man of her husband who acts like a beast. That a wife is to be a slave or footstool for her husband. That a wife is to serve her husband without restraint. That a wife is to be treated as an inferior to her husband. No wife will accept those commands from her husband. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let me go back to number one. I'm not going to repeat them all. That a wife is to be subject, is to subject herself to a tyrant. You all know what a tyrant is. Ladies, you're going to love this. What God means by subjection is order, cooperation, relationship, partnership, the way a husband and wife are to walk together throughout life. Everybody, a people, even when the body is only two persons, must have a leader who takes the lead in plowing through the wilderness of the world and its trials, temptations, and difficulties between the two, wife and husband, one of them has to be the primary leader. God's order for the two is that the husband takes the lead. I'm going to add something that I heard a long time ago. In some areas, the wife is stronger than me. I'm going to let her take the lead. For instance, in some, home, in some homes, the wife is, is an excellent budgeter. Why should I interfere? Why should I be the tyrant? Why should I say, do it my way? Can I get an amen? In some ways, the wife is even better mechanically. In some ways, the husband is better. Let them develop as a person. Lift them up to the Lord and ask him, Lord, Help me let my wife develop in a way that is suitable to your glory. Second, Christian wives must submit because it is the only fitting thing to do. The word fitting means the right thing to do. Why is it the only fitting and right thing to do? Not because the husband is superior and the wife inferior as human being. The reason is because the wife is in the Lord. She has surrendered her life to live in and to love and follow him and to witness for him by living just as he, that is, the Lord, says to live. Therefore, when the Lord says that it is his will for her to submit to her husband, she submits. She submits because the Lord tells her that submission is the way he wants her to live with her husband. Again, submission is simply God's order for the family. The relationship, cooperation, and partnership that is to exist between the husband and wife. Number 11. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, treat your wives with kindness and do not use bitterness when you reprove them lest it estrange their affection from you and make them negligent of their duty. Number 12, husbands, I know I'm repeating myself. That's good for me. 
be not bitter, ill-tempered and provoking. Many who are polite abroad, I hope you get this, many who are polite abroad are rude and bitter at home because they are not afraid to be social. Can I get an amen? Let me ask you a very pointed question. When you leave this church and you go back to your husband or wife, is it a whole change in demeanor and how you act? Only you can be the judge of that. Let me read that over again. Many who are polite abroad. Oh, you're so pleasant. You're so nice in church. But when you get home and you're out somewhere else, is it Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Can I get an amen? Shouldn't be that way. We are transformed people. From the inside out. Be not bitter, which may be without any appearance or anger, either in word or in deed. 13. Christian husbands, are you bitter or sweet? Christian husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. This destroys all opposition and reaction to the command of subjection given to wives. How? The word love. I hope you get this. And I hope you get the rest of the things we've already talked about. The word love is not the only... Is, let me say this way. The word love is not only the affection and feelings, but the agape. You got that? Say agape. You've probably heard this more than once. Agape, love of God himself. You are to love your wife like God loves you. And that's my next slide, not yet. The Christian husband is to love his wife just as much and in the same way that God loved us. What is agape love, Brother Bruce? Selfless, unselfish, giving, sacrificial, a love of the will as well as the love of the heart. This is number 14. A love of commitment as well as a love of affection, a love that works for the highest good of the wife. Can I get an amen, women? Number 15, the greatest display of love. And you know this by heart, and I'm going to point out some other verses also. For God. So loved the world that he gave his only, and I'm going to put the word unique, his only unique son. What's the condition of having eternal life? Here it is that whosoever believes, trusts in him, who's him, Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the King James. 
Here's the new American. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What's another display? Don't turn that slide. But God, can you say but God? Commends, demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. You get that? <clears throat> but God demonstrates his own love, not another love, his own love, agape love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. I can't help but to say this, and this probably doesn't belong in this sermon, but again it does. I was listening to Christian uh, television yesterday, and they depicted when the Lord Jesus had his hands open to, to the males. I know some people say the males was here. I know that. When they placed him down, the whole cross jolted. What did that do, Brother Bruce? It increased the pain that he went through for you and me. Don't think they just slided it up there. They slided it up and it jolted down into that Home. Let me go back. For God so loved, I'm going to make it personal. You and me. That he gave his only son. I'm going to say this again. You might get tired of yourself. There's no one else like Jesus. And actually, it's hard to define who he is. The Bible exhausts itself in explaining who the Son of God is. Let me give you another one. We just talked about that while we were yet sinners, I better not forget this. He didn't wait for you to stop using curse words. He didn't wait for you to try to clean up your wife. I'm sorry, not wife. Clean up your life. Oh, boy, that is really a mistake. Forgive me, ladies. I did not mean to say that. Clean up your life. I love that. Somebody just gave me encouragement. He didn't wait for you to clean up your life. He said, okay, God, I'm ready for you. He died for you while you were yet a sinner. Dirty, filthy, disgusting, and all the other adjectives. He died for you while you were yet sinning. So what's his response? Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. All he wants for you and 
do is open that door. How do you open the door? I'm not going to tell you how because there's many ways to open that door, but I know one way, believing in him as your personal Savior, trusting in him that he took all your sins to the cross. You're probably going to get tired of me saying this too. He used that word to tell us it means paid in full. I am so upset with those who say you got to be a good person before you come to Christ. He paid it in full. And I'm glad he did because if he wouldn't have, I'd never make it. And somebody said it right. None of us. Not even one. For all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. Let me add this. If you had a, if you had rampant cancer in your body, you'd be sure to go to the doctor. Can I get an amen? Well, we all have sinful cancer, and we need the greatest doctor in the world, Dr. Jesus. Let me add one more before I go on to the next slide. This is about love, agape love, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit. What kind of spirit are you talking about, Brother Bruce? The Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into that, but it's the Holy Spirit. Through his spirit in the inner man. Say inner man. I'm going to say it again. Christ is an inside job, which transcends to the outward person. I know it said the Holy Spirit, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more exceedingly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. Let me sum it up for just a second. It, I know I said it before, it will take an eternity you to realize how much God loves you. Realize that? It'll take an eternity. It's like you picking up one grain of sand at a time and counting every sand on earth. It's greater than that. I'm going to add this. So for you to spurn or you to, I don't believe that, or you to reject the love of God will be a tragedy. I'm not going to go any further with that. Number 16. Very practically, the husband does not seek to have his wife fill his needs 
desires, confident and interest, but he seeks to meet, nurture, and nourish all these for his wife. It is God's will for the husband to totally sacrifice himself for his wife. And note, he is to do it without bitterness. Wives are just like us husbands, though. Number 17. Wives are just like husbands. They sometimes fail to submit. And when they fail, the husband tends to become bitter and resentful. It is the very nature of men to sense resentment and bitterness. Therefore, the Christian husband must struggle. Agonisma. That's the Greek word. That's where we get our word agony. Therefore, the husband must struggle and fight against temptation. Husbands, you don't have to answer this. There is temptation everywhere. Can I get a husband? There I go again. Can I get a witness? I'll tell you, once you get filled up with the Holy Spirit, some strange things come out of your mouth. I didn't mean that. This was not rehearsed. Oh, praise the Lord, brother. A husband is to love his wife sacrificially, even if the wife does not deserve to be loved and is utterly unworthy to be loved. Husbands are to obey Christ regarded. It is the will of Christ. Well, wait a minute. The will of Christ, the will of God. Are you getting confused, Brother Bruce? I'm not going to say too much. I'll just say this. Jesus the Christ is the eternal Son of God. He shares God's very nature. He is indeed God the Son. Number 18. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Fathers, do not exasperate your children by harsh commands or by rebuking and chastising them more severely and more frequently than their faults deserve, lest they be discouraged. I'm going to tell you right now, some of these things I'm saying, I would get a C minus. What I learned, I learned because I had a partner and have a partner who gave me insight into my own behavior. I was talking to Pastor Jack, and Pastor Jack was talking to me the other day, and he said the passage that I'm going over today he failed. If you want to admit it, I think we've all failed. Can I get an amen? Children are to obey parents in all things. The word obey means to heed, hearken, comply, and follow the direction of instructions of some kind. When parents guide and direct their child, the child is to obey. And note, he is to obey in all things. We're going to qualify that obey. Number 20, 
How about the terrible problems of sinful instruction sometimes given to children by abusive parents? Let me say it again. This is a question. How about the terrible problem of sinful instruction sometimes given to children by abusive parents? Now, let me break away just a second. Often the parents have to apologize to the children. And sometimes the children are right and they have to apologize to their dad and mom. This is not what the scripture is talking about. Scripture is talking about the normal day-to-day instructions and guidance which parents give to children. Children are to obey their parents in all instructions. What happens when older children have different opinions? They feel like they should be able to have something, to do something, to go somewhere. This is number 21. To come in late. Differences, number 22. Differences always arise. Yet God says that the child is to obey in all things. Does this mean the parent is always right? An emphatic no. It means that the child has a unique opportunity to learn discipline, control, and order. When they go out to face life alone without their parents, they are going to be facing a world that is, number 23, Self-centered, demanding, corrupt, evil, powerful, competitive, threatening, dangerous, authoritative. The child has to be prepared, number 24. And one of the major preparations is that discipline or control. When the child becomes an adult, he will have demands made upon him, some of which will be unjust and unfair. He will have to obey the demands in order to survive in this corruptible world. Can I get an amen? I have no idea what time it is. (laughs) Thank you. We're going to have communion this morning, so I have to stop at a certain time. It is up to the Christian children to learn to obey and follow instructions now while they're still at home. They ought to use the instructions of their parents as the training ground for their future. The more obedient the child, the more disciplined and controlled and prepared he or she will be to face life when he or she goes out to face the world. My mom and my dad are not with me anymore. Not with them. I want to be honest. I wish I would have been better prepared. I was very naive, very naive when I stepped out into the world. Note one more point. The child's obedience pleases the Lord. How about it, kids? If you can't please your parents, 
at least you can please the Lord. And I'm probably saying that incorrectly because if you obey your parents in the ordinary things, then the Lord is well pleased. The Lord has one primary objective for the child, to prepare him or her to be the most balanced and productive adult he or she can be. Therefore, when a child obeys his parents, the Lord sees the child being disciplined and controlled. He sees the child preparing himself to become a strong adult. Therefore, a child's obedience pleases the Lord. Well, Brother Bruce, you're doing a lot of talking. I don't know if you can back that up with Scripture. 27. Ephesians 6 1. Children, obey your parents of the Lord, for this is right. Proverbs 1 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs 7 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments with you. think about this past Thursday and I invite you once again to our Thursday and Monday actually I'm thinking about Monday not Thursday say the word treasure can you please say that word my son keep my words and treasure one of the things that was scriptures that was reflected upon Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. The more of the word you get into you, the less sinning we do. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Husbands, fathers, do not exasperate your children, 28, so that they will not lose heart, lest they be discouraged, lest by your continual finding fault with them. I want to ask yourself, fathers, do you always find fault with your kids and you don't give them any praise? Lest by your continual finding fault with them, they should lose all courage and despair of ever pleasing you. There is much sound sense and practical wisdom in this observation by the apostle. Children should not be flattered, but they should be encouraged. They should not be so praised as to make them vain and proud, but they should be commended when they do well. How about it, parents? When your child or children do something very good, do you give them a note of praise? Do you say maybe, I don't know what word you use, well done? And speaking of the word well done, this is not in the notes. Note, don't you know, I'm going to slow down so I get this right. Don't you know when you finally meet the Lord, he wants to say to you, well done. The desire of praise should not be the principle from which they should be taught to act. 
but they should feel that the approval of parents is a desirable thing, and when they act so as to deserve that approbation or approval, no injury is done to them by their understanding it. Everybody likes a pat on the back. Everybody likes to be praised for something they do well. Pastor, I have no idea what time it is. Oh, good. I'm in good time. More from Albert Barnes. He who always finds fault with the child, who is never satisfied with what he does, who scolds and frets and complains, let him do as he will. He breaks his spirit and soon destroys in the delicate texture of his soul all desire of doing well. The child in despair soon gives over every effort to please. He becomes sullen, morose, stupid, and indifferent to all the motives that can be presented to him and becomes, to a great extent, indifferent. What do you mean by that? Let me sum it up. Well, I can't please my parents anyhow. What's the use? I'm going to add this in there. God never gives up on you. Can I get an amen? He didn't give up on you. He kept pursuing you in your sinful state. Let me go back. And I know I'm not just trying to fill up time. God demonstrated his love for you. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. You know, brothers and sisters, I can't get over that. I'm going to add this in there if I don't get done. God made. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Why'd you say that, Brother Bruce? The Son of God, God the Son, united himself to human nature to become your personal Savior. And notice I'm using the word personal. Can you say the word personal? Jesus Christ is very personal. I don't know why I have this upside down. The child despair soon gives over every effort. I already read that. Servants, number 32, and all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. I want to say right now, if I don't get done with this message, Paul is not endorsing slavery tell you more later on. Paul was on a mission. God had a particular vehicle named Paul who was focused 
on one thing, Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and ascension of him who is and was and who is coming. God has for you a particular message, a particular focus. Where, you have to ask yourself this question, where does God want you to be? What focus has he given to you to keep your eye on him? Only you can answer that. And I don't mean to be harsh when I say this. Are you focused on the mission which God and Christ has given you? Or are you off on the sidelines doing everything that you know you shouldn't be doing? Can I get an amen? I'm going to go back to this. I have the slightest idea who I'm talking to. God wants to say to you, well done. He wants to say to me, well done. Servants, obey in all things, not sin for your masters. <clears throat> That's wrong. According to the flesh, whether they be heathens or Christians, serving them well, not only when they are pleasing, that's the King James, as men pleasers, but also in their absence from the rectitude of your own disposition as fearing God. Thirty-three. In all things, unless they command you to do wrong, not as men pleasers, not merely or principally for the purpose of pleasing men without constraint or outward service, but willingly, heartily from the regard to God and for the purpose of pleasing God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when you go out into your workplace, are you and I doing things pleasing to God? I love when only you can answer the question. Number 34. And this is what I was talking about. Paul was not endorsing slavery. The philosopher in Paul's day taught, and the laws of Rome assumed, that the slave was the master's property. I'm sure you're probably aware of that. And therefore, he had no rights. But, I put the word but in there. St. Paul places the relationships or the relation of the master and slave in a wholly different light. Justice and equity are the expression of the divine mind. And with God, there is no respect to persons. Let me make it practical. Well, Bruce Carter, you're up here delivering the gospel. You think you're better than anyone else. Pastor Jack, you're playing the guitar and you're in focus of everybody. And Anyone else? I'm just picking out different things to make a point. We're not better than anybody else. 
in Christ, we're all on equal ground. Can I get an amen? amen. We're all saints in Christ. But that does not mean that we shouldn't be trying to grow as Christians. Again, I don't know who I'm talking to. If you are the same as you were last year or six months ago, and you realize you're doing the same old sinful things, you're not growing. And I ha- I'm, I'm for one, I got to check myself because I'm far from being perfect. And I'm so glad I got people around me that help me because I need help. Somebody said that we all do. Let me read the last part. Justice and and equity. I need to slow down again. Justice and equity are the expression of the divine mind. And with God, there is no respect to persons. What do you mean? God's going to give you what you deserve. Where'd you get that from, Brother Bruce? This is not the appropriate slide, but it's the next slide. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Courageously, number 36, courageously and cheerfully from the soul, not constrainedly or murmuring, Oh, the boss is giving me this. I don't feel like doing this. I know I've done it. Though they be froward and their commands harsh, make account it is Jesus Christ who has power over soul and body, not mortal men only or in and for themselves whom you serve. Have an eye on his sovereign Lord. Do you have an eye on Jesus when you do this? In the servile office, your masters on earth do employ you. Number 37. Knowing that because you have duly obeyed your masters, the time will come that you will be chained from servants to sons. Wait a minute. I thought I was a son of God. Yes, you are. But I mean a complete change. Behold... Now are we, right now, the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear. Did you get that? Jesus is coming back. It does not yet appear. But we know that when he does appear, we shall be like him. We must all, say all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
well, I'm going to stand before Christ because I, I'm a good person. I, I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't use his name in vain. I treat my wife properly. I give my money to the church. not by works of righteousness which you have done for by grace have you been saved it is the gift of God why did you say that brother Bruce you can't be saved by any merit on your own it's God's gift when you trust his son Good works follow salvation. They are not a means of salvation. For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may recompense for his deeds in the body. Well, I know Jesus. I have him in my heart. Why not show it sometime? according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And the last one is a blank, except for this. Do you have a personal relationship? And notice the last three words, the God-man. I'm going to say it over again. Do you have a personal relationship with the God-man? Do you know the Lord Jesus is the mediator between God and man? The man, Christ Jesus. And he still has a resurrected supernatural body. And he identifies with man forever and ever because that's how much he loved you and me. I'm not going to go into any more scripture. I'm thinking about Revelation. Do you know? I don't mean here. I mean here and here. Do you walk with him? Do you talk with him? And many don't know this, but you can look it up. You can pray to him. John 14, 14. If you ask me anything in my name, John 14, 14, I'll do it. That's the Greek. Do you have that relationship? Is he in your heart? Do you talk to him? Do your deeds follow what's in your heart? I'm going to say it one more time and then I'm done. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the God man? That's sound doctrine, my brothers. Let's give the Lord a hand. We're going to, at this point, celebrate the Lord's Supper. Just a couple of housekeeping details. Um, 
the celebrating of the Lord's Supper is for only for people that have placed their faith and trust in Christ alone as Lord and Savior. Not Christ is something else. If you do, have not done that, uh, we ask you to abstain from taking the elements. You're going to have elements handed out, bread signifying the body that was broken, and the juice signifying the blood that was shed, which is the covenant in Christ. So if you have come to a saving faith in Christ, that means when you drop dead, you know that you're going to be with the Lord, then we invite you to participate in this part of the service. And again, if you have not done that, we ask you to abstain. By the way, you don't take this, you don't be perfect first and take this. When you take these elements, you are remembering and honoring the sacrifice that Christ already made for you. So this is not, oh, i got to clean up and then I'm worthy to take it. We're never going to be worthy. We're doing it in remembrance of what Christ has already done for us. Okay, so I'm going to ask the deacons to hand out the elements. Now, while they're handing out the elements, this is a time for you to do business with God. Any unconfessed sin in your life, anybody that you have chosen not yet to forgive, Okay, anybody, this is a time for you to take that to the Lord. Remember what I taught you last week. Forgiveness means that you choose not to make the offending party pay for what they did for you. You absorb the cost yourself because that's what Jesus did. Amen? All right, so I'm going to give you some time to just take this in prayer. Hold the elements so we can take them together. guys listening by Facebook or Sermon Audio, um, if you run to your kitchen cabinet, you grab some saltines and some juice, you can partake with us, even though you're not here. I'm going to read scripture and then I'm going to ask you to partake. It'll be taken together with us, even though you're there.
Is there any unconfessed sin that you want to bring to the Lord right now? Anybody you need to forgive? This is the time to do it. As we do this, we're going to do it straight from the Word of God. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you drink it, listen, church, as often as you eat the bread, as often as you drink the cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. For those that want to uh, enjoy a nice lunch, please line up, and then we'll make sure that you get a meal. <laughs>